Welcome to the Styano Plastic Surgery Podcast with plastic surgeon JJ Styano, the only plastic surgeon in the UK who owns a clinic specializing in breast and body contouring. So yeah, so today is a day that I've got an important announcement about the way that I run my practice because um, I'm going to make some changes um, and it's because I have often thought that you see people who, with their private practice, I, I actually work with other doctors who um to, to help them grow their private practice and it's quite common to see doctors who grow their private practice and get busier and actually that can detract from the service that they give it's something that, that i quite often see and uh, it's something that i've always been uh, keen to try and avoid because i have tried to make service one of the sort of main aspects of the of the practice that I've got. And I've never really wanted to be one of these guys that are busy all the time and doing massive theatre lists and massive clinics where, you know, you're in and out and you sort of go into one room and see a patient and go into the other room and, and, and see the next patient and all that. So, you know, I know that suits some surgeons. That's how they, you know, want to work and that's fine. But... Um, it's never really been the way I wanted to work. And so, you know, I was at the BARPS meeting recently, the plastic surgery meeting in London, and we, uh, you know, I was talking to some colleagues who have got busy private practices and they've got big waiting lists. They've got like six month waiting lists, really busy, doing a lot of operating every week. Um, and for me, I'm like that. And basically, they don't they don't want to employ other other surgeons. I mean, the obvious thing is to get other surgeons on board, and they don't want to uh, get other surgeons on board. And so um, that's fine if that's the way they want to run it. But I, I say to them, it's not a very good service. If you've got to wait six months, that's not a great service, and uh, it's only going to get worse if if you get busier. Um, uh, and I don't really want to be in a situation where I get busier and I give a worse service. So I've made a decision to drastically reduce the uh, surgery that I do because I want to really focus on giving a really good service to the patient that I, patients that I do operate on, but also we're doing a lot of work at the clinic with the um, see and treat. We're doing, a, I think that's a really big uh, asset of the clinic that we've got our own operating theater, we don't, we don't share it with any other anyone else. It's a it's um it's just ours, and so we can have the ability to see someone in the clinic and then perform the treatment there and then. That's for minor procedures, mole cysts, a lot of tattoo removals, you know, lumps and bumps. So uh, um, I'm, we're really you know pushing that and working on the see and treat service. And I've got other surgeons that work there, so other consultants who will, will see patients. But um, for me, I'm uh, drastically reducing it. So from, from now on, I'm going to be seeing uh, three people, or at least operating on three three patients a quarter is is what I've decided, is, is, is the sort of, uh, and it's going to be um, 
for those patients, I'm going to really focus on the service and it would be a very personal service and really it will be something that no one's doing. It will be a level of service that no one really is, is doing. And as I say, I see uh, some of my colleagues who are actually the busier they are giving a worse service. And I'm like, that's not my model. I actually want to give a better service to people. So, you know, you, you, it, it's hard to do that at volume. How hard to do that at scale if, you, if you're scaling. And, I'm, and one of the problems I was getting at was basically operating too much. I was doing too much, um, trying to run the clinic, trying to, trying to build the, the, the practice, um, you know, working with, with my colleagues uh, as well as doing the surgery. It's, it's, it's just too much. And, um, and I didn't want to get to that situation where you're, um, you're, you're spreading yourself too thin. So, so yeah, so I'm, I'm going to limit how many people I personally treat. So I'm going to be just treating a very small number of patients, but I will still very much be um, involved with the other consultants. And we, we work together at the clinic. We get on very well. Um, we've got um, Azam Faroa, Sam George and um, Costas Apostolou and more um who want to join so we you know we we are um growing and um, and uh and you know th those other uh, those other consultants i will support them but personally um it's going to be drastically different the amount of num number of patients i treat now that's not going to affect anyone that i've already treated all my normal patients are going to be i'm going to look after them just as i would have before um so there's no effect on anyone who, who already treated it so it's only just for new patients moving forward so um you know with the, the majority of patients at the clinic will be um operated on by my colleagues and i'm just going to really focus down on giving a really um personal service to those few people that um that i do treat uh every year so just as i say three people a quarter um so we'll decide at the beginning of the quarter who who um who i'll treat and then you know obviously next quarter we'll we'll look at it but i don't really want to have this sort of busier 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 more and more surgery it's not uh, it's not for me i'm not a high volume never have been really a high volume operator um i don't want to be a high volume operator and um uh it's uh quality not quantity with with the way i want my practice to go and that's what i'm doing and i think it's what the, what we can deliver when we when we just focus on say three people a quarter we can really do world-class service very personal service with myself be vicky the clinic nurse very personal service for those patients and we can deliver something that no one in the world is doing literally no one in the world is doing i think the, the surgeons in the world that are known for doing uh procedures are all high volume there is no one who is focusing on the service uh so i do really believe that this will be a world-class uh level of service <clears throat> that no one will be able to uh, approach at the moment um so uh yeah it's um it's exciting uh and it will um uh, and i think it will be i think it'll be really good and i think it'll i'm really looking forward to just having that sort of focus on those small number of patients so that we can develop uh, you know proper time proper um 
you know really really make them feel looked after so uh so yeah we've we've got in place the the uh the the, the service that we're going to offer and the packages we're going to offer so um so yeah it'll be um and, and it'll also give me uh, an opportunity to uh, to do more in terms of the uh, building of the clinic and supporting the other surgeons as i say the other surgeons will still be there and and uh, uh so yeah that's uh that's the, that's the announcement. I mean, speak for me. I don't know if it's, if it's say, if you're a current patient, it won't have any effect on you. But uh, um, but uh, it's uh, it's how we're going to go moving forward from here. Um, uh, I keep on getting this thing coming up saying um, Bird wants to join. Um, now, usually when that happens, it's a mistake. Uh, but if it's not a, a mistake, I will accept the join. Um, I, th I think I'm going to come into your uh, Facebook won't be able to see this, but I think I'm going to come into your living room uh, when I say accept. So I've accepted it. If you want to talk to me directly, hi Bird. Did did, did you want to talk to me directly? No, I just wanted to join the. Oh, so you didn't want to go on like a one-to-one -one thing like this? No. Oh right, how do we turn? I don't know how to turn it off now. Um, is there anything you can do? uh we're on a, like a split screen now um, um can you do something i'm not that's your tv what are you watching you're not double screening you're double screening what are you playing at um right uh Have I got any questions on Facebook? Right. Um, let's go. I'm going to start. Here we go. What is the scarring like? Immediately comment on a post. I've got a comment. Oh, good. Okay, I've got a question. Uh, what is the scarring like immediately? after having tattoo excision um well interestingly rebook reboot facebook uh right I, yeah the problem is lowry with rebooting it is it's kind of uh, yeah yeah i could I, I mean it's linked to a certain like time uh yeah because it's like not on right okay I'm not going to, I'm going to do it. I'm going to, well, I'll do the internet thing first and then I'm going to change internet. Don't know what that does. I'm going to change the, uh, right. Has that helped? I've changed the internet. Any good? If not, I'm going to No. With the imminent changes, will be will my upcoming surgery be affected? Oh God, don't blame me if it goes wrong. Yeah, I'm gonna I'm gonna change it. I'm gonna. book the surgeries no no effect at all it's just patients who are 
um, having surgery. So it will be a new inquiry coming tomorrow. Um, you know that that's how it will um, be if they if they if they want to. You know we'll, we'll be obviously the the C and treat will be going normally and the other consultants will be going normally. But I'm going to be just doing a very small number of patients um, personally. But as I say, if if, if you're booked and you're all that sort of stuff, it's all it's all completely normal. Um, so oh look. That's Facebook. Facebook sound is working, isn't it? I've got Facebook open here. And listen. It is working. Facebook sounds working, isn't it? Everyone's gone. There's one person on Facebook. And guess who that is? Got two thumbs and speaks French, yeah? Moi. Right, okay. Anyway. Right, well, there you go. It's working now. They're all gone. Anyway, Instagram's still alive and well. Thank you, Instagram, for putting up with me um, trying to make Facebook work. Uh, so, what does the scarring look after having a tattoo excision? So, interestingly, actually, immediately after. Uh, having a uh, tattoo excision, the scarring doesn't actually look too bad. Um, so you come back after weeks, you have a dressing on, so you won't see the scarring for the first week. And then after the first week, you will uh, have the dressing removed. And um, the scar probably won't look too bad. It will look fresh, um, um, but it probably won't look too bad. Uh, and then what normally happens is after the first um few weeks so I normally catch a person so a week you normally have the dressing with uh, Vicky uh, I normally catch up with you about six weeks and at six weeks the scar often looks worse so the scar basically often looks worse before it looks better um, it looks quite red and feels quite firm so immediately it doesn't look too bad it kind of looks like a, a line um, but then at six weeks it often looks more red more firm more kind of thicker uh, and then we get you massaging it, and then over the coming months, it sort of, sort of softens and, and settles. So it kind of gets worse, and then it gets better. So um, yeah, um, that's kind of what to be prepared for. So um, it is important to be prepared for uh, for that because if you kind of think, oh, it looks too bad, and then at six weeks, you think, oh, it looks terrible. It's don't worry, it, it often it often does that. Um, got a question on uh, here from uh, Nicole Danielle. I hope you're still about because you are on Facebook and couldn't hear anything. But um, I'm hoping that the, the sound's working now. But I don't know. Um, what Q, Q1? We've got two Qs. Q1 and Q2. Q1. What does an exercise program look like post tummy tuck? Q2. How aggressive is the lipo? For example, how do you determine how much fat to remove? Okay. So let's do Q1. What does the exercise program look like post tummy tuck? So there's a couple of things in terms of exercising post tummy tuck. One thing is in terms of the general health of the of you yourself, and the second thing is in terms of the specific of regarding the exercise regime for your abdomen. So more importantly, really, is is yourself and your general kind of health really. And so the things uh, in, in relating to that is you got to move. So you've got to get up and get moving. In the old days, people used to be in bed rest for weeks and stuff like that. 
don't do that anymore up and moving day one day one you're up and moving and you need to keep moving keep your legs moving keep your ankles moving keep your bum moving we don't want you getting clots in your legs and uh, you know, dvt fly off in your lungs so keep moving i'm not talking about going crazy for a crazy long walk i'm just talking about pottering around your house and when you're not pottering around your house when you're sitting on the sofa watching telly keeping your legs moving your ankles moving just keeping everything circulating same when you're on the way home from the surgery you know keep everything moving so keep uh, everything moving um, the other thing is we don't want you getting chest infection, so keep taking deep breaths right to the bottom of your lungs. Inhale and then cough if you need to. If you need to cough, that's fine. Don't worry about your tummy. So in uh, in general terms, you need to keep moving and keep taking deep breaths, and that's the most important, I would say. Uh, in terms of the specifics of the abdomen, it would be secondary to that. So I really do stress the need to keep moving and keep coughing and taking deep breaths because you can get quite ill if you don't. Uh, keep moving and keep taking deep breaths. In terms of the specifics of your abdomen, that would be more like um, just a lot of it will your body will tell you. So a lot of it will be guided by your body. But in general terms, I normally say to people, take it easy for the first couple of weeks. And again, doesn't matter what I say, you will not feel like doing much for the first couple of weeks. You will feel a bit uncomfortable for the first couple of weeks. And then um, after a couple of weeks, and you'll be bent over, you'll be... Uh, hunched over because your abdomen will feel tight so it will be a bit uncomfortable for the first couple of weeks and then um and then you will um uh start to to walk a bit straighter just as as you feel up to it uh in terms of exercises i normally say start with lower body um exercise bike um stepper what's it called cross trainer thing um and then just sort of build up and uh, as you build up, then um, you can start doing the core and exercising your, your, your kind of upper body. But it's normally at least a month, probably six weeks before you start doing that. And then it's just starting to do it. You don't want to go too crazy on it. If you go too crazy on it, then uh, it, uh, it, uh, it can be a bit uncomfortable and it can swell. Those are the things that will happen. It will be uncomfortable and it will swell. So, um, so yeah, that's the... Um, that's the sort of normal regime for a tummy tuck. Uh, now, Shifnol Nails is asking to be in the video. I'm not doing that again, Shifnol Nails. If you want to, I will say yes, and we'll do a split screen and you'll be here. But uh, I did it a minute ago and it all went peak tong afterwards because I couldn't stop it. So if you do want to, then just say you want to and I will accept it. But I don't know how to end it once it starts is the problem. Um, so I'm going to put in Facebook, I think sound is okay now. Am I right? So thank you for that, um, Nicole. Uh, what's been going on in Instagram? I've got to be honest, I feel like I've not really kept up with what's going on here. Uh, I think I was my. I think it was my question that went missing on here. Was it your question? With the imminent, was there a question that went missing? With the image change, we're like, no. Well, oh God, don't blame me if it goes wrong. Well, it's gone pretty wrong so far. What the imminent changes? What did I miss? Three patients a quarter, Corinne. I'm going to be reducing the amount of work that I, now patients that I treat. And I'm going to be really focusing and doubling down on the service that I give to those patients with myself and Vicky and the team. We're just going to have a, uh, a different kind of model and how we 
um, treat patients with myself the other surgeons will be working as normal so the clinic will be operating but it's just my workload is going to be significantly reduced have i missed the big announcement yes harry you have uh what if we're hoping to be under your care operated stroke operated by yes if you're hoping to be under my care and operated by me it will be completely normal there'll be no different to current patients so if you're a current patient of mine or if you're due to have surgery with me there's absolutely no difference that will go as normal but moving forward from here on in for patients inquiring and having uh, wanting to have surgery and again the, the, the other guy with you know there's there's um, uh, three other surgeons at the clinic and, the, and there's going to be more coming on so we'll all be uh, working together and that will still happen and I will still be um, supporting them but in terms of my own personal workload I am going to be taking on three patients per quarter only and I'm going to be giving a much more personal service to those patients in order that I can continue with my um, ethos and my my uh, goal has always been the, the whole reason I got the clinic was to give a better service to patients and one of the problems that you get when you get busier is you give a worse service and I see it in other surgeons I see it in other doctors they get very busy and they kind of wear it like a bad vagina that they've got a six-month waiting list and they're you know they're in and out and they're not seeing their patients post-op and they're you know really quick with it with the um follow-ups and stuff and i'm like that's not who i want to be i want to actually be give more time to patients because i think that will give a better service so to that end i'm going to actually reduce the number of patients i see and uh, and i think it will really be able to give a world-class service which is what i've always been about larry what you got what does it need to be for breast reduction and tummy tuck what does what need to be bmi is that the question what does it need to be well if it's bmi 30 is the normal number i don't insist on 30 but that's kind of a normal number people talk about i'm assuming that's what we mean by what's it oh our big changes ahead hope that means you can take more time for yourself yeah um Corin, thank you hi i want to have breast enlargement early next year what is the main pros and cons between teardrop and round shape please um now at shift nail beauty shift nails if you want to be in the live video i will let you be in the live video and we can talk uh, about that um god knows how we can end that live video no one knows but um but if you want to like but the main pros and cons between teardrop and round so a lot of people will say teardrops more natural than round which is not strictly true although it is kind of sort of true um a teardrop implant is slightly less full in the upper pole than a round implant so a teardrop implant has got the point of maximal projection in the lower part of the implant as opposed to a round implant which has got the point of maximum projection in the central part of the implant so it's a slightly more dome shaped the teardrop implant has got that lower pole um so a normal normal natural breast has got kind of like a teardrop shape so um that's kind of why people say all oh, teardrop natural round look fake but it's not it's not the end of the story because if you've actually got some breast tissue particularly if you've got breast tissue sitting in the lower part of the breast naturally then you can get a natural result with a round implant because you get different profiles around implant you get low moderate high and extra high so for me, I think a teardrop implants really come in when you've got nothing. When you've got nothing, so if you're doing a breast reconstruction, for instance, after a cancer, you pretty much always use teardrop. 
So if you've got no breast tissue, then a teardrop, yes, will give a more natural result than a round implant. Uh, than a rounded plant. But if you have got some breast tissue, particularly if that breast tissue is seen a little bit low in your chest, then you can get a natural result with a round implant. So you kind of need a, the uh, pulled bit. Shift Nails Beauty, you keep on pressing the, I don't know what's going on. I'm assuming you don't want it because you said, thanks for the explanation, it really helps, but you haven't said I want to be in the live video. So I'm not going to, I'm going to continue ignoring that. I don't know if you other people on Instagram Live know that someone's requesting to go live. Do you, do you know that? Um, maybe you don't know that, so maybe I just don't talk about it and just uh, move on. Um, so yes, Harry, that was the big announcement. So we've done that. How would you describe the amount of a breast reduction if not using bra sizing? Oh, heck. Sorry, I have no idea. Good. Okay, that's good. Um, you can't see it. Okay, well I'll just ignore it. Look, shift, shift nails. You've done it again. Anyway, that's fine. I'm gonna not, I'm gonna rise above it. And again, <laughs> okay. Um, how would you? Yeah, that's a really good question. How would you describe the amount of a breast reduction if you're not using bra sizing? Um, well, hmm, that you well you when I talk to people, I ask them what size they want to be to get an idea. I'll be honest with you, bra sizing is the only thing we've got to talk about the size of the breasts. So we do kind of, I do talk to you in terms of sizing, So, but I can't guarantee what the size will be. So if you are like a J and you say you want to be a C or a D or even a double D, I'll be like, mm, I'm not sure if you're going to get from a J to a double D. Um, you know, I think it might be a bit bigger. E? Maybe. I don't know. I mean, it's, it's quite vague sizes especially about double d i think it all gets a bit vague um because they kind of do double d but then they just do e and then the f and they, you know but um so i will say look i think if you're a f and you want to be a double d yeah fine you know ef and you want to be d double d that sounds kind of doable um but that's how we talk and, and when i'm doing the surgery i try and make it on a i try and stress obviously the size is important but the size isn't everything you have to get the shape right uh you have to keep the nipple alive on a pedicle on like a stalk of tissue and that will carry with it a certain amount of volume so you are limited to how small you can make it so if you're very big you can't make it very small unless you do a free nipple graft so a free nipple graft is a slightly different operation we actually take the nipple off so that's a slightly different not many people are are, um, are candidates for free nipple graft. So that's a slightly different situation in a free nipple graft, but in a kind of normal, if you like, or a, a standard breast reduction where you keep the nipple attached, that will limit how much you could, how much smaller you can make it. Because often when you do it, you kind of completely empty out the breast, and all you've got left is the uh, is the pedicle, pretty much. Uh, and so then you might think, oh, crikey, that's still quite big. Um, but you might have taken off, you know, 800 grams or a kilo or more, um, but it still looks quite big. But you don't take any more away because you've got your blood supply and your nerve supply going to the nipple. So sometimes you have to say, look, you know what? I don't think it's going to be a C. I don't even think it's going to be a D. I don't know what it's going to be, but it's probably going to be, it's going to be a lot smaller. I mean, that's one thing I do say. It's going to be a lot smaller. You never sort of wake up and think, oh, have I had something done or not? It's always significantly smaller, but the specific cup size we can't guarantee so it's just trying to get you on the same page as to realizing where we are in terms of doing the surgery and how we kind of uh, assess how small we can make it 
and just trying to make you aware that if you have got your heart set on maybe a C cup, for instance, and you're, you know, a HJ or something like that, then, you know, that might not be achievable. So maybe either don't have surgery or maybe find someone who maybe can achieve that for you or, or kind of accept it. So it's better to kind of accept it prior to surgery rather than uh, thinking you're going to be a C and then waking up and you're bigger than a C and being annoyed about that because we, we you know, we'll do our best to make it as small as possible because those people do want it as small as possible. But I do think shape's really important. So when you do, sometimes you see people when it's over-resected, it's a bit flat, there's not much projection. You've got to be a bit careful in terms of, you know, making sure that the shape still looks good because the shape can be an issue if you do go too far on it. What you got, current Personal experience after breast fracture. JJ, best to go for resizing after everything settles. Hard to be precise on size. You heard it there from real life, real life testimony there from Corin. Thanks, Corin. Uh, Shift Nails Beauty, it keeps coming up, this request to go live. I did say I wasn't going to say it again, mention it, but so, so I'm not, so that's it, so carry on. Um, if in your breast reduction, which technique do you use and why? So, yeah, I mean, sometimes you find some surgeons, I think, probably will have a technique that they use kind of regularly. I do use different techniques in different situations. So the way you talk about a technique of breast reduction uh, I guess the two ways to talk about it is one uh, in terms of the pedicle the the, the stalk that goes to the um, nipple so you can do different pedicles and the other way of talking about it is the scarring that you get the scarring that you see on the outside so obviously the pedicle that you use you can't see from the outside it's something the surgeon does and I use different pedicles in different situations so a very small reduction just a balancing reduction maybe so more of a lift I use a superior pedicle so I take the volume out of the lower pole the lower part of the breast take the heaviness out of the lower part of the breast to give a more long-lasting result because you don't want the heaviness in the lower part of the breast pulling the breast down so you want the volume of the breast to be in the upper part so you empty out the lower part and then um, and then tighten the skin um, now a superior pedicle kind of moves up like straight straight up if that makes sense so it's 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 based you know just sort of go straight up um so for a slightly bigger reduction uh it will kind of concertina that pedicle concertina up so you can't really do a big pedicle with a with a significant distance for the nipple to move on a superior pedicle so for a slightly bigger reduction and i would say probably the most common one that i do is a superimedial pedicle so a superimedial pedicle comes at a slight angle and the the nipple kind of rotates up. So um, I don't know how much this is interesting to you guys, to be honest with you. Now I'm talking about it, but anyway, I've been asked the question, so I'll carry on. So that's a super medial pedicle. So that's for, I would say the most of the breast reductions I do are a super, super medial pedicle. So for a bigger breast reduction, so somewhere, oh, and the way we measure how big a breast reduction is, is usually by the nipple transposition. So from the position of the external notch to the nipple where it is now, to the position where we're going to put it afterwards and the longer the transposition the longer the pedicle um, if it's a, going to be a long pedicle a safer pedicle to use uh, in my um, experience is an inferior pedicle so for a long pedicle there's a risk that supramedial pedicle might kink the blood supply might not be quite so good and you worry you might have more risk of problems with the nipple with a supramedial so for a bigger breast reduction i'll use an inferior pedicle now, the downside of an inferior pedicle is you do have volume in the lower part of the breast 
and it can make the breast look a bit boxy, that pedicle there, but it's a safer pedicle for a bigger breast reduction. So maybe the shape's not quite as good as with a supramedial or a superior pedicle, but it is a safer one for a big transposition of the nipple. And then finally, there is the free nipple graft for someone who's got very long transposition, you know, 10, 15 centimeter transposition. You would think about a free nipple graft where you literally take the nipple off, you do the reduction, and then you put the nipple back on again as a graft. So I do all of those. Um, and th those are the ones I do. There's other pedicles people use, uh, lateral pedicle, bilateral pedicle, or a, 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 so a horizontal bipedicle, vertical bipedicle. Um, so there's, there's different types of pedicles, but those are the ones I use um, commonly. A superior pedicle for a smaller reduction, super medial pedicle for the majority of breast reductions. And for the big ones, I use an inferior pedicle. And then finally, I have free nipple graft for extremely large ones. Now, in terms of the scarring, the scarring either goes around the areola, which is called a circumareola, also known as a Benelli. Uh, it can go around the areola and straight down, which is called a circumvertical, or it's also called a lollipop. Uh, or it can go around the nipple straight down and in the uh, fold, which is called a, uh, an anchor scar or inverted T-shaped scar. And most of my reductions end up being uh, some degree of uh, anchor or inverted T. Um, I never, well, never say never, but pretty much never do a circumareola, do a Benelli. Um, I can't make it look good. I don't like the scarring. It's all a bit wrinkled and, and puckered. And so only for a sort of maybe some kind of balancing or tuberous breast deformity, or maybe in some circumstances I might do a circumareola. But any significant breast reduction, if you're going to do a breast reduction and reduce the size of the breast, that also involves reducing the skin envelope, and I think a much, uh, which is where the lift comes in, and I think you're going to get a much better lift with at least a circumvertical or the lollipop. And um, the lollipops I usually will do for a lift with implants, where the implants taking up some of the slack skin, so you don't have to take up a huge amount of skin. So for most breast reductions, would have a, uh, a, a, a that that horizontal scar as well as the scar around the nipple and straight down. I try and make the scar as short as I can. So that's I think the main thing. I think if you're going to use a a, a tee, try and make it as short as you can. So I will often do a short tee. Um, so you don't want to have it coming. So you certainly don't want it visible. You don't want it coming coming too far medially or laterally. So I try and make it as short as I can. But the more skin you've got to remove, the longer that scar is. So if someone has got a significant droop to their breast and again is have a significant transposition of the nipple, then that scar might have to be longer in order to take out that horizontal excess of skin. So if you don't put any horizontal scar in at all and you just do a circumvertical or a lollipop, you're not taking any skin in an up-down direction. So you end up with folds and you hope that those folds and those ridges will settle. And sometimes patients, uh, pay, uh, doctors who do that technique quite a lot will, will almost call it a second stage to revise that and take those folds out and convert to a, a, a horizontal scar. So personally, I just go straight, often will do the horizontal scar if there is excess skin in an up-down direction. So um, the majority is a is a, an inverted T or an anchor. Because I, say, I try and make the horizontal scar as short as possible. The reason people don't want to do a horizontal scar is obviously less scarring is better, but also the horizontal scar is often the worst scar. It's often quite red, quite obvious, but at the same time it's quite well hidden because the breast kind of falls onto it. So fortunately, the scar around the nipple and straight down do um, fade really well. And personally, in my hands, I can get a better shape with that T-shape or inverted T-shape scar. But there are people out there who do a lot of horizontal scars, um, oh, sorry, 
vertical single vertical scar or or a lollipop lifts and they get good results so you know different strokes for different folks good question there um what we got trian hi i've heard about breast implant illness and it does worry me however i still really want them done so is there any way to avoid it please uh, no um there is not sorry tran tran we've got a little um accent on the a nice how'd you get that you got a special keyboard um there isn't tran i'm afraid um i have to say it is not as common as you might think if you go googling it and if you go look at facebook and all these places you will probably find quite a lot of people who talk about breast implant illness i don't think i think i'm right in saying i've never had a patient of my own who's had it i have treated patients with it uh, now I'm not, I'm not saying there's something i do to make it not happen because i don't think there's any surgeon can say they do something to make it like not happen because we don't really know what, what causes it but what that i hope that does show is that it's not as common as you might think because i do a lot of implants so um it, it's it's not that common but it does definitely seem to be out there uh, and i have treated patients with it so it seems to be a thing uh, and it's just one of those things to put into the mix if you're thinking of having implants you know there are bad things that can happen with surgery with any surgery and certainly with breast implants there are some bad things that can happen um you know those are you get infected you might have it removed you can get a very rare cancer alcl associated with implants they can go hard you might have to have them changed and breast implant illness you know there's all these things to put into the mix there are risks with doing surgery but you've got to balance those risks against the benefits because there's big benefits you know there's a lot of people who are very happy with their implants and have got no problems at all so you know um you just got to balance it and it depends on how much of a problem it is for you and if you think well you know they would quite like to have it done but i'm worried about breast implant illness and i'm not sure if i want to risk it well don't risk it don't don't have it but if you think actually you know what i think i would feel a lot better then the benefits might outweigh the risks so it's only really it's a very personal thing to be honest with you uh, as to whether you um you know surgery right for you it's very personal and it's really something that no one can decide for you we can just tell you what we can do and try and put the risks in context so you don't kind of think oh my god this is going to happen it's terrible you know there are risks of everything in life you know getting in the car and going down the road there's risks you know going to the shops there's risks going on holiday there's risks going skiing there's risks there's risks with everything in life and it's about the benefit versus the risk so if the benefit's great and the risk is small you might do it if the benefit's not that much uh, and the risk is pretty bad you might not do it so you, only you know what the benefit is um and i've got to say there are you're probably doing riskier things uh, in your life if you go on holiday or if you um drive a car but nevertheless you have to put it into perspective so um i'm sorry tram there is nothing you can do to avoid it it's with all types of implants there's no specific type of implant that's associated with um, people talk about saline implants but even saline implants have got a silicone shell and the, the people who have it think it's the silicone that have made them feel ill there's no medical reason to say that silicone can make you feel Ill in, Ill in this way so we haven't got any reason to we don't know know why it happens but um as i say it does seem to be a thing so it is something to be aware of so um I don't know if that's helped you, Tran. I don't know if I've allayed your fears or made it worse, but um, you know, try and try and you know, I basically kind of you know, I need to try and get. I always say you need to try and get like above fifty percent with your decision. You know, I don't want to sway you one way or the other, but in your heart, hopefully, you can get maybe 
above 50%. And once you've got above 50%, either way, if it might be not having surgery, which is fine, or actually, you know, you want surgery, then try not to dwell on the negatives. Try to, if you're not having surgery, try not to dwell on how good it would have been if you'd had surgery. And if you, you are going to have surgery, try not to dwell on, oh my God, I might get implant illness or all sorts of problems. You know, try and be positive about whatever decision you make. But when you're in the decision-making phase, yeah, you need to kind of try and balance it up. It is, it is difficult. Do you do both saline and silicone? Yeah, I do ask you, I, saline, we don't really do in this country. I mean, you, you can't get them. But saline implants do have potential problems. They're kind of like bags of water. Uh, so rippling is more of an issue. They can deflate. And as I say, they've still got a silicone shell. So there's still silicone there. So saline implants, we don't really use in this country, to be honest with you. They still use them in America. But in the UK, we don't really tend to use um, saline implants. And, and uh, in terms of getting the result, getting a, uh, a cosmetic enhancement of your breast, a silicone implant will give you a better cosmetic result than a saline implant. Um, uh, so, so, yeah, um, silicone is the way to go if you're going to go for it. But um, I understand your concern, Tran. And, um, yeah, it's about balancing the risk, really. Um, thanks for the question. Thanks for joining in. I'm glad you can hear me. I'm assuming you can hear me on Facebook now. Then. Good. Right. Okay. Um is breast reductions used? Here we go. Do we offer back fillers? Back fillers. What's a back filler? Filler in your back? No. I've never heard of back fillers. What are back fillers? No, we don't offer back fillers. Well, we don't. What am I saying? We don't offer fillers. We don't do any non-surgical work, so I don't even offer lip fillers and things like that. So certainly not back fillers. I don't know if that's a typo. I don't know what back filler is. Uh, oh, what have we got here? We've got stuff. Sorry. How long should you have carpocidal contracture before replacement surgery? Pure nails and beauty. What can I say? Uh, there's no should about it. Uh, and it's a very personal decision. And you don't have to have surgery if you've got capsular contracture. Capsular contracture is, an, it does happen. And it's kind of kind of like a natural thing really i mean it's scar tissue that forms around the implant makes the implant go hard um and you know and it's in, it's kind of inevitable over a period of time and it really depends on you so there's different grades of capsular contracture the first grade you can't see it you can't feel it therefore everybody's got grade one capsular contracture everyone with the breast implant grade two is where you can feel it and you can't see it grade three is when you can start to see it um and grade four is when it gets uncomfortable so it's normally grade three, four, where you would think about having surgery. So when you can just feel it, but it looks fine, most people would not consider having surgery. But when you can start to, to see it, you know, the breast looks a bit full and a bit high up here. And particularly when it gets uncomfortable, that's normally when the stage when people think about having something done about it. But it's a personal decision, pure nails and beauty. It's, you know, we're not going to tell you you need to have it done. It's personal to you to when you choose to have it done because when you do have it done uh if you're going to have new particularly if you have new implants put in if you're not going to have new implants put in then you have it whenever you want but you are going to have new implants put in that next set of implants will start to go hard so you know if you can delay it it's probably going to be better because you're going to start the clock ticking on the next set of implants later so it's probably better to delay it as long as you can although obviously if you're on discomfort and and what have you, you don't want to sort of like make you be uncomfortable but, you know, on general terms, the longer you leave it, the better. Um, 
because because you're going to start the clock ticking on the next set. MR5H in heart. Is it common when having a breast augmentation with a lift, borderline needing a lift, that you could have a lift done by the nipple rather than having a full anchor scar? Thank you. Yes. So that's where you use less scarring when you're doing a, an implant and a lift. And certainly the, um, the less, because the implant will be doing some of the work of the lift, if you like, it will be taking up some of the slack skin. So you'll need less skin removed. And so that's where personally I would tend to use the circumvertical. So I, I, those are the situations I use the circumvertical, also known as a lollipop. Um, so you may well not need that T-junction. Um, which which is good because you can get healing problems and as I say the horizontal scar might not look so good but um, but yeah those are the situations where you might not need it but again if there's folds if, if, if the shape doesn't look right I will convert to a short T but uh, you're absolutely right that the situation where you're borderline for a lift you'll get need less scarring um, could you just have an areola one possibly but you'd have to be really borderline I would kind of think, is it worth doing a lift at all? Because I don't like the just the areola scar. I don't think it's a very good lift personally. Um, okay, Trian's back at me. What you got, Trian? Tran. Sorry, it looks like Trian when I see it from here. It's Tran, isn't it? Sorry, um, Tran. I have lumpy breasts, and I have and a few lumps have been removed in the past. Am I still okay to have you? Um, yes, absolutely, no problem at all. Absolutely no problem at all. Um, when you put implants in there behind the breast, so you can still feel lumps, you can still be um, examined, you can still have lumps removed. Um, there's no problem at all, Tran. Uh, even patients with breast implants can go on to have implants uh, for balancing surgery. If they've had a mastectomy on one side, we might put an implant in the other side if they, well, if you want to be reconstructed to a bigger size. So, um, so yeah, no problem if you had a lumps in the past, that's fine. And as I say, moving on in the future, you can still find lumps and, uh, and examine breasts normally with, with implants in. Uh, loco lopi lose. When, when you perform a tummy tucks, with all the subcutaneous fat be removed and lipo to give a tight, firm tummy, or could you still potentially be left with loose skin? Do you know what? Loco lopi lose. Are you, are you, this is the next question here. Is this you? How aggressive is the liposuction with the tummy tuck, for example? How do you determine how much fat's removed? Slightly different question that. But anyway, we'll take them together if you don't mind. Um, so when you perform a tummy tuck, I mean, million dollar question, isn't it? Are, am I going to be happy with my flat stomach? Or could I still have loose skin and be unhappy? Now, obviously, we're going to try and make it absolutely perfect and tight as a drum and beautiful and flat and you're going to be delighted. But welcome to my world. When you're doing the surgery, you close the wound as tight as you can. And sometimes you have hairy moments. You think, oh my crikey, I've taken away too much. It's really tight. Because if you take away too much, there's a risk the wound can open up. And that is not fun at all. You know, there's a risk that wound can dehisk and can open up. And, you know, you have to break the operating table. You have to bring the operating table into this sort of position like this and close it up tight. And you're thinking, oh, crikey, I hope I'm taking away too much. So we try not to take away too much because we don't want the wound to open up and it can be not good. So we're always trying to make take, not take away too much. The flip side of that is if we want it to heal beautifully, heal so that there's no problems with healing, no risk of dehiscence, 
you might say, oh, goodness me, I don't want it opening up. Oh, goodness me, no. Okay, well, let's ease off on the excision then and let's make it heal nicely and like it closed really nicely. It's very easy to close. Well, then you're going to be potentially left with loose skin. So there's a balance between being left with loose skin and it opening up and being a disaster. So we're trying to make it perfect. But sometimes you get the wrong side of perfect. Sometimes you get a little bit to open up. Sometimes you get a little bit of loose skin. So is there a risk you'll potentially be left with loose skin? Yes. Do we hope that you won't be? Yes. So um, so the subcutaneous fat is removed from the piece that we remove, but there's subcutaneous fat in the left in the skin that's left behind. So there is still you still have subcutaneous fat on your body. If you didn't have subcutaneous fat on your body, you'd have skin stuck to your muscles. It would look odd. It would look like a skin graft. It look like you know people have had burns and stuff. It looks odd. Um, so you have to have fat underneath the skin so that it moves and it's got give. So it's not all removed. So coming back to this question, how aggressive is liposuction with a tummy tuck? How do you determine how much fat to remove? You could you could extend that out to how aggressive is liposuction full stop. You know, how do you know how much fat to remove when you're doing liposuction? It doesn't matter. Forget tummy tuck, any part of the body. And the thing about liposuction is we're trying to bring you back into a normal contour. And I always say to people, when you're doing liposuction, you're trying to make it perfect. But like the loose and wound to the hiss and things. You're trying to make it absolutely perfect. But there is a risk. There's a risk it's not perfect. There's a risk you can do too much and there's a risk you can do too little. So if you do too much, you get a dent. If you do too little, you have a residual bump and you think you haven't done anything. Out of the two, it's a lot easier to correct it if you do too little. To be honest with you, you can just do a bit more. If you do too much and you create contour irregularities, dense, they're much more difficult to fix. So, you know, how do you determine how much fat to remove? I haven't got an answer to that. You just do the surgery and you try and make it look good. Um, and you try and make it perfect. And I, I'm sure every single surgeon in the world who is doing liposuction is trying to make it look perfect. But sometimes it's not perfect. Sometimes they overdo it, sometimes they underdo it. Um, we've all been there if we do if we've done liposuction. And it's I don't, there's no there's no way to say this is how you make it perfect. Because otherwise if there was that, we'd all just do it perfect and no one would ever have too much or too little. And unfortunately people do have too much and too little. It's why I always say to people, look, you've got to choose your surgeon. People worry about implants and this and that, all these aspects of, of, of what they what, when they're having the surgery, but they don't think too much about the surgeon they choose. You've got to choose your surgeon, um, and there's no answer to how much skin, uh, sorry, how much fat you remove when you do liposuction. You remove enough, but you hope you don't remove too much. That sounds a bit crass, maybe, but what can I say? It's it's the it's the world we're in, and uh, it's the life of, of a plastic surgeon. Look at that. Used to have a, they used to call me Wiggy, yeah. This guy used to be called Wiggy. Stress of the job, man. Stress of the job. Always trying to make it per perfect. Um, what we got? Pure nails and beauty. You did my surgery. You did my breast augmentation in 2012 and did an amazing job. Thank you. Treble thumbs up. Well, that's good. Pure nails beauty. What were you asking? Pure nails beauty earlier. How long? Oh, capsicum traction. <laughs> That's now. Anyway, 2012, done well, Pure Nails Beauty. Well, Pure Nails Beauty, you know where I am, call me up. I said earlier about limiting that sur uh, surgery I'm doing, but uh, for patients who are mine, then, then I'll be very happy to see you. Always happy to see my own patients, Pure Nails Beauty. So love to see you at the clinic. Give us a call, no charge. Always welcome uh, if, you, if you want to chat about stuff. 
uh, or we can just do a chat phone videos and stuff like that if you, if you want to chat about things but thank you for putting that in a public forum it's very nice that you are happy thank you for that uh loco loopy loose oh i see do you offer free revisions if loose skin remains yes uh loco loopy loose so you normally need to wait at least well at least three months um ideally a year really now the revision thing is six months so we offer but you kind of get an idea at six months so and what we'll do if it's looking a bit not so sure at six months we'll put a revision request in at six months but we might wait for a year to do it because often things will tighten up and will improve over time but yes for sure if it doesn't look right uh loco loopy loose and loose skin is one of the risks of tummy tucks that there is loose skin remaining especially if you have a problem if you've had something to stretch the skin afterwards like hematoma or seroma or something like a prolonged seroma or something and it's it stretched the skin a bit uh there is a risk that you could have a bit of loose skin so um so yeah then uh, but yeah you, we would revise it for sure um no problem thank you thank you local loopy loose but yeah obviously try and avoid revisions but if you do need revisions it's bad enough that you have to have a revision we uh, wouldn't charge you for the revision if it's an advert if it doesn't look right yeah. um i've been told having breast implants in about 10 to 15 years time it might need to be removed and replaced when it gets hardened should i bear that in mind and start saving for that procedure in 10 years time if i have my first implants now tran that would be a very sensible thing to do because i can tell you now it's more expensive so if you do need to have them removed in uh, in 10 years time then uh, it is a more expensive operation than the first operation so yes you should consider that now because it doesn't have to be removed at 10 years it, but it might go hard in, in in 10 years and you might need to have it removed and as i say a capsulectomy and change of implants is a more expensive operation than the uh, than the uh, putting implants in the first place so for sure that's a very sensible thing to do to consider than to perhaps start putting money aside for it um because um it's quite expensive doing a capsulectomy and a change of implants it takes about three hours as opposed to an implant operation it takes about an hour um so it is quite a bit more of a big deal doing a capsulectomy so for sure you should think about that very good point tran very good point you're obviously thinking about it which is good so yeah if you know where we are if you need us uh call me um i'm still going to be there and i'm still going to be fighting for to build the brand and um looking forward to um as i say just reducing the amount of patients i operate on and giving a much more personal service to those patients so uh yeah i will be back next time hopefully not have quite as many technical issues as i had this time but who knows probably will and if you have any questions call me message me instagram me facebook me youtube me and i'll do them next week loco loopy lose you are very welcome and uh yeah for now it's time to put the old feet up and to watch me tell you See you next time. End the stream. Tran, I want them, oh, Tran's come back. I want them done in February 2024. Should I get booked in now? Yes, Tran. Um, February 2024. Yeah, I mean, you can't, uh, you can't, uh, yeah, actually, it's not far, actually, February 2024, is it? Um, I mean, what I normally say, because sometimes people want it in like six months and time and stuff like that, or 
or uh, or 12 months time you can have a you can have a consultation anytime i mean personally for us we don't charge for follow-up consultations in fact we always encourage people to come back for a second consultation so um you know there's no harm in having a consultation now but as i say february 2024 is not that far and certainly we are booking around that time now um so yeah I think it wouldn't be a it wouldn't be a bad idea to if you if you are uh, thinking of having surgery to start the ball rolling trend uh, with that. So um, yeah, I think you should start the ball rolling on that one um, because yeah yeah that's that's going to creep up on us. I tell you. Okay, Tran, you've been a ledge. I think you get the most. Um, comments price so well done to you for that and uh thank you another comment there thank you very much no thank you uh and uh yeah you know where we are if you need us if you want call us or message us on facebook or something and uh yeah we'll be happy to help you out right so without further ado i'll stop the stream on instagram already i will stop the facebook slash youtube stream and i'll see you next week and uh, i might see you soon tran take it easy bye have a question not covered in today's show then send it over to info at styanoplasticsurgery.co.uk using the hashtag askjj we'd love to hear from you